Welcome back to Mishnah Yomi. Today we're continuing to learn Masech the Shkolim, finishing the third parak with Mishnah Dalad, beginning the fourth parak with Mishnah Aleph. The way it would work is that, as we said, they withdrew the Truma, Salishka, the Shkolim, three times a year. So the person would go inside Pesach time, withdraw the amount he needed, and whatever was left over, he'd cover over with this leather covering. Therefore, you could differentiate between what came then and what becomes um, following that between then and Shavuos. Shnia on Shavuos time, Bekat Bloos, he removed that as well and put a covering on top. But they wouldn't cover the third one over because there was no additional withdrawal. So in order to prevent, and we'll see in a minute, the mission is going to say it, to ensure that um, the different gifts over the course of the year didn't get mixed up year to year, they would, after each time they withdrew money, they'd cover it over. And the reason for this is because we're concerned that if you don't make separate piles and you don't make this covering, then you'll have new money and old money that will get mixed up and you'll end up removing shekel from money that already had the true, the, the, the shkolem withdrawn from it from the previous year. We only take shkolem from money that never compiles, never had anything withdrawn from them. Tarmah says, Why did they do it three times a year? So the first time was for the Jews living in Israel. They can arrive on time, so they gave then. The second withdrawal is done on behalf of the Jews who lived in the cities close to Israel on the borders. They would arrive in time, or their shekel at least would arrive in time for the second withdrawal. Whereas the third withdrawal was done for all those who lived in the diaspora, so even if they gave the shekel on time, it wouldn't reach the Beis Amikdash until time for the third withdrawal. Chapter 4, Perak Dalet. What do they do with these funds of Truma? What do they do with all these shkalim? Lokamim to meet them. They, that's what they used to purchase the daily offer, the daily tumid offering, the lambs for that. Umusafin on Shabbos and Yom Tov and Rosh Chodesh. They had a card musaf vinisreim, and also along with every carbon were nesachim. Nesachim are these wine libations as well as a carbon mincha that were brought with every single carbon. Haomer the uh, barley brought on the second day of Pesach. Ushtei halechem and the two loaves of bread that were brought on Shavuos. Velechem panim and the lechem panim breads brought every week. Chol karbonat zibur and really every communal carbon offering such as the katoras, the incense, all that they used the this, this public fund of the shkalim to purchase. Now, in addition to also to purchasing carbonos, they also used it in order to ensure that these carbonos can come to fruition. What I mean by that is there were sometimes it was necessary to hire people and pay them wages so that they can perform certain functions and, and, and uh, services in the temple. For an, anal- for an example, during the year of Shemitah, the, you still had to bring the carbon omer on the second day of Pesach in order to allow the... Um, and and the shteilechem, but in order to allow the uh, all the wheat to be uh, to be used, uh, wheat's not allowed to be used until one brings the carbon omer on the second day of Pesach. Well, the problem is during the year of Shemitah, the wheat uh, is all hefker; it's ownerless, which means anyone can come and take it. And now you run into an issue that if everyone comes and takes all the wheat, you're not going to have any any left over for the carbon. So what they would do is they would hire watchmen. And Notlin, Schlarm, and Trumazalishka, and they'd pay them wages from the Trum withdrawn from this, uh, all this Shkalim. And that's how they, that, and they, those people's jobs were to ensure that what was ownerless, no one could take from, so it could be designated and used ultimately to bring the, bring the uh, carbon omer. If you also omer, Afam wrote some He says, you don't have to actually hire them, but if these people wish, they can actually, uh, volunteer their time and watch the, um, and watch these, uh, watch these, uh, par- these barley that's growing in the year of Shemitah. Now, the, the issue is as follows, that if I'm watching something that's ownerless, I can also easily cu- take it and acquire it and it becomes mine. So do we have to be, be concerned with that? Or if you also said, I'm not concerned for that, 
for multiple reasons, but among them is, because even if he does, I believe someone can take something that's his, that's personal, and designate it and donate it toward the toward the seaboard, towards the communal funds, and becomes communal funds. Even if this watchman does, in fact, acquire it, once he gives it to the base of Migdash, to the, to the Gizbar, now it belongs to the base of Migdash, and you can bring a, a communal sacrifice from it. Um, the rabbi said to Rebbe no. Rios, excuse me, no. We disagree. We believe it has to come from communal funds, and not just from a gift given by the, an individual. Meaning to say as follows, that Rabbi Yossi says an individual can designate an actual item and it becomes owned by the, by the communi- community. The Chazal say no, the only way something can really be owned by the community in a way in which it can be brought as a, a sacrifice on behalf of the seed is purchased through the funds the, of, the, of the Shekel, and therefore in order to ensure the watchman doesn't acquire it, we pay him. And once we're paying him, so now he's doing us a service, and it's not just he's watching it, so he's not going to come to acquire the produce over the time that he's watching it. I wish you all a wonderful day.